feel like your community really wants you to succeed and they really want to support you. Like if you have a healthy, I call it my village, um, they are gonna do what they can to share your Kickstarter to support you. And I think just trying to, I don't know, just like kind of trusting and relying on them and letting them help kind of get the word out and not feel like you have to do it totally on your own, but knowing that you're going to have to invest a lot of time and energy and creativity in it. As well. Hi, I'm Caitlin Pyatt, owner of Authentic Branding and Marketing, where I work with female entrepreneurs to brand, market, and grow their small businesses. I'm your host for this podcast, Startup Marketing. I'm a mom of three and entrepreneur, so if you ever hear little kids in the background, it's just my life, I'm trying to make this all work while I build a business. I worked as a corporate marketer for over 12 years, where I focused on marketing and branding strategy, along with marketing management. Often, I heard small business owners say they weren't doing any marketing because they couldn't afford to outsource it to an agency and they didn't know how to do it themselves. When I started my business, I knew I could take my expertise and my experience to help women thrive by teaching them how to create strategic marketing plans they could feel confident about and show them the tools to make managing their marketing easy and efficient. So if you're an entrepreneur out there who's Googling how to brand and market your business, you've come to the right place. The goal of Startup Marketing is to make all of my marketing knowledge accessible and actionable so you can take it and level up your business. I'm a huge marketing nerd and I'm passionate about sharing everything I know with you. This podcast is genuinely one of my favorite things to create. So get ready to learn about all things marketing. Hey, hey, welcome to Startup Marketing. I think you're going to learn a ton from today's episode and guest, Ginger Berg. Ginger is a wife, mother, and high school math teacher. God called Ginger and her husband, Dustin, to grow their family by fostering and adopting. Over the past seven years, the Berg family has fostered six kids and have adopted two, becoming a family of seven. Now, Ginger is working on promoting her book, My Patchwork Family. Inspired by her family's journey of fostering and adopting, she is doing it all in addition to teaching. Ginger has an inspiring story and has a lot to share about Kickstarter campaigns and self-publishing. I honestly did not know much about either of these things, so I learned just as much as I think you're going to today. Let's dive in. Hi, Ginger, and welcome to Startup Marketing. I'm excited to have you here today. Thanks so much for having me, Caitlin. Well, tell us a little bit about your background and what it is you do. So I am a high school math teacher. Uh, That's my full-time job, but I actually recently published a children's book, which is way outside my comfort zone, Um, just about my family's journey. Um, We do foster care and we've actually adopted two kiddos out of foster care. And so I decided to write a book about it, just kind of share our story. That is that's really awesome. As as a side note, I am excited to check out your book because my husband and I have talked about fostering and adopting as well. Um, so now that we've had three of our own kids and he was asking me the other day for more kids and I was like, I'm not, I am not having more kids, but we have talked a lot about fostering and adoption. So I'm really excited to check that out on a personal level. So You wrote this book about your experience fostering children and adopting. What inspired this journey and this endeavor? Because it sounds like quite the feat. Uh, So it actually all started, our 
oldest daughter that we've adopted, when she came to live with us, we wanted to make sure she knew um, that we were in it for the long haul for forever, even though the adoption process takes years, because at that point, um, she had already had her parental rights severed, so she would never be able to go back to her biological family. And so she, we felt like she needed to know that it was forever. So we actually did a family photo shoot when she first came to live with us, just so she felt a part of her family and like, you know, yes, you're forever here, even if it takes a while for the documentation to go through. And after we did the photo shoot, I made this little like video with pictures from the photo shoot and like a voiceover talking about our family being like a quilt and everyone, you know, being a patch in the mm -hmm. quilt. And um, the kids really liked it. And so I was like, oh, maybe I should write this down and make a little book. And originally it was just going to be for our family, just like a little, you know, family keepsake. Sure. And because I'm a high school math teacher, I have a lot of friends that are English teachers. So I asked them if they would proofread it and kind of edit it for me so that it sounded good. And one of them in particular was like, you really need to share this story like outside of your family. Like Hi. this story needs to be shared, this perspective, like people don't always understand what this is like. And at the time I was still not really ready to share it because you know, as soon as you put something out there people are going to judge it and they're going to give you their opinion on it. And at that point I wasn't ready for that yet. Yeah. Um, I wasn't ready to open it up to what people thought of it. And so I kind of just held on to it for quite a, for almost a year. And then I was like, you know, maybe I'll just send it out to a few publishers and see what they think. And I heard nothing back from any traditional publisher. So of course in my mind that that was like, Oh, it's not good. Like it doesn't need to yeah. be published. And it took yeah. me actually, it's like six months before I realized, no, that just means that maybe I need to do this on my own. Maybe I need to look into self-publishing. And so then that's when I started down that journey of figuring out what that even looks like. How do you do that? And um, with amazing help from, you know, other people that have published and friends and family, I've been able to, to get it published and printed and on sale now. So it's super exciting. That's really amazing it sounds like just such a very big process and a little bit intimidating um i know i have a friend who she's a quilter and she has several times like started the process with publishers of creating books and she like gets you know part way down this path and then like the project gets cut or whatever like it's so um not guaranteed working through a publisher, which like shocked me. And I don't think she has yet thought or explored the idea of self-publishing, but I feel like I've known several people recently that are like, this is the route I'm going. And it seems to be working really, really well for them. So what is the process for self-publishing? Like, where do you start? How, does, how do you go through it? How long? Well, I think a lot of it depends on if you're self-publishing a book that has a lot of pictures that you need to be vibrant. Like mine, I feel like you have to go a different path than like my dad and my brother have actually self-published, but they've been more like chapter books where the only artwork is on the cover. And so they can do, I feel like a different type of printing than I can because yeah. I needed my pictures to be, you know, bright and vibrant because it's, you know, a picture yeah. book. And so they were able to do, you know, like a print on demand or, you know, something like that. Whereas yeah. when I researched it, 
print on demand wasn't going to give me what I was wanting as far as quality. So I had to figure out, okay, how can I afford to print a thousand books so that the price is what is reasonable per book and the quality is amazing, but I don't have the money up front to just print a thousand books, you know, because yeah. I'm a teacher. I just don't have, I, it, I haven't saved up for years and years and years to do this. So that was my biggest challenge. Once I realized that that's what really what I was going to have to do to get the quality I wanted was be able to figure out how to pay for a thousand books up front. So, so, okay. So that's really interesting that you, so you have to pay up front. Is it the same? So obviously print on demand, you don't have to do that. That's one of the big advantages of print mm -hmm. on demand, anything. I feel like I just learned that you can do print on demand books. I never would have thought mm -hmm. that. Um, but how do you, so was it like a fundraising campaign or like, how do you get to the point where you have the funds to print up front? Yeah. And one thing that was awesome is I found an amazing printer who helped walk me through like kind of how to do this because I went into this, I mean, literally I didn't know anything about children's book. All I knew is what my dad and my brother had done. And I realized pretty quick that wasn't going to work for what I was needing. And right. so I got into some Facebook groups of specifically children's book self-publishers and they had awesome just information like, hey, don't go with these companies because these are just like vanity publishers. You're not going to get what you think you're going to get. And so I was able to get a lot of recommendations for a specific printer. And the lady I worked with, her name's Clarissa, she was so patient and so kind and like would answer all of my, I'm sure, totally ignorant questions. And she was like, you know, a lot of people do a Kickstarter. And I was like, I've never yeah. even heard of Kickstarter. What is a Kickstarter? And so she talked me through the process. She gave me some really good examples, like, hey, these were really successful. Maybe look at them, see what aspects you feel like you can kind of glean from it. Um, and then these are maybe some that weren't successful, like, you know, to help me see how to even do that process. And so I did a Kickstarter and I was able to get fully, you know, funded so I could pay for all of the rewards that you do. Have you ever done a Kickstarter or seen one before? I, so I've seen a Kickstarter. I have looked into it. I had somebody reach out, a former colleague of mine who is working on a project and um, was, wants to do a Kickstarter. And so that was kind of the first time that I like looked into it and I did see like there are all of these kind of rewards levels and I thought that I was just like this this has to require a very well thought through strategy because as I was sort of reading like their documentation and then I kind of just went down this rabbit hole one afternoon of like you know how how to even run a successful Kickstarter campaign you know, there's the, so, so for listeners who, who don't know, when you run a Kickstarter campaign, they recommend that when you get to certain like fundraising levels, you give the people who kick in for that round that get you to that round, like a certain reward. So sometimes it starts as small as like, um, like a virtual high five or something like that for like the very first, like very small round. And then as the ask gets bigger and the funding needs to increase, it becomes things like, um, you know, maybe a free copy of, in your instance, a book, or if I were funding 
uh, I don't know, like a sweater or something like that, or a backpack. Like I might give certain people at that level, like a free piece of my product, or maybe it's a branded swag item or something like that. Um, which you don't realize necessarily like from the outside looking in that, that like, those are costs too. Mm -hmm. And you have to be very, one of the things I read is like, you have to be very strategic about your rewards because, you know, people, a, that's what sometimes motivates people. They're like, okay, well I'll kick in 30 bucks if I get a free water bottle out of it or whatever. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. um, you know, in the world of marketing, it's not really uncommon to see incentives and stuff like that. And you would be surprised at like the most random things that motivate people to like give you money or invest in something. So I totally understand the logic, but kind of reading it and thinking about it, I was like, that is, you have to just be very strategic and think mm -hmm. through that because you're here to raise money to kickstart whatever it is that you're doing, your product or your service. And then you also have to pay those out. And can you remind me, do you, so even if you don't meet your fundraising goal, do you still have to pay out those rewards? No, in fact, if you don't make your Kickstarter, no one pays any money. And oh, that's it, right. just it, gets, goes it just gets cut, like nothing happens. Yeah. Um, so it's an all or nothing, which is kind of good because then mm -hmm. if people have given to give rewards, um, obviously you can't do the rewards if you don't make your goal because right. you can't print your books if you don't make enough money to print your books. So it just, nothing happens. Nobody gets charged. You don't get anything. It's just like a dead. So do you project. build in when you're building out that Kickstarter campaign? Mm -hmm. Do you so I'm assuming you figured out what your rewards tiers were going to be. And then did you also factor in how much money you were going to need to pay out those rewards into your fundraising goal? So that basically like people yes. also funded so your kinda, as well as the rewards. Yeah. So I guesstimated. Um, so my rewards were everything from a thank you note to, you know, I did different bundles with books. Like you can just get one book, you can get a book with some stickers and a bookmark, you know, from the artwork, mm -hmm. um, all the way up to signed original watercolors that my art, my illustrator made for the book, like the originals. Oh, so cool. like my highest level was the signed, the signed original cover art um, that she made along with some other stuff. And so it went, you know, everywhere from a thank you note all the way up there. Yeah. Um, and so the biggest of the rewards that cost me extra money were the stickers and the bookmarks and sure. the thank you cards because I wanted them to be, you know, with artwork from the book and stuff like that. And so I kind of had to guesstimate at the beginning, like how yeah. many do I think I might be getting mm -hmm. and then add that in. And so I was a little bit off on that. I ended up selling more or, you know, getting more, having to buy more stickers and bookmarks than I expected, but it was still, right. I was relatively close. And so, and then Kickstarter does take a certain amount of the money as well. So you always want to make sure you factor that in so that um, you're not all of a sudden like, oh, I forgot. Now I owe Kickstarter 5%. I don't now have enough money to do this. Right, so. right. So, yeah. And I think it's, so it's very, um, I think it's very, the takeaway I would say there is to make sure that like you, you do kind of budget the best you can and you make sure you double and triple, triple check like 
Who are you going to owe money for? What do you think your rewards are going to be? Um, but can I just say, I think it's like super smart hearing that like you, I mean, like that signed artwork, that is such a brilliant idea. Like how motivating I could see, especially if, you know, you are a family who has adopted and kind of knows, you know, I'm thinking of my son's little best buddy. He's, he was a foster child with his, his mom, my friend. Um, and she ultimately was able to adopt him and it did, it take, it took years, several years. Um, and I think about them and she would absolutely identify with that journey. And I think to have like a piece of artwork probably would have motivated her to, you know, maybe to give at that higher level. But I also think it's brilliant to have done like stickers and bookmarks because it all just, you could have just gone and gotten some really cute bookmarks and stickers that didn't necessarily match your book or like didn't come from weren't custom to your campaign. But I think adding that custom element is like a brilliant little branding hack and really just probably made it so much more seamless. It made it seem so much more put together, which I think about the Kickstarter campaigns that I look at and I think about investing in, and they're always the ones that look like they're really well put together. They've been really very carefully thought through. So kudos to you. I think that's just like the most brilliant, brilliant idea. Thanks. And I did, like I said, I picked a lot of brains. Um, I would say if you're going to do a Kickstarter, don't rush it. I would take time and really plan to do a bunch of drafts and share it with people that um, maybe have done something similar or, you know, like the, my printer was so amazing because I was, oh, she would let me share a draft, even though like she wasn't really needing to help me with this. And I would be like, can you just tell me from your experience, is there anything on this that you're like, oh, whoa. And I didn't realize at first I was way underpricing the signed artwork because like, I don't sure, really yeah. know what that's worth. And they were like, oh, no, 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 no. That needs to be a much higher price point because that's a one of a kind. Like, it's not a copy of it. It's not, you know, mm -hmm, print. Mm -hmm. it, that, that's the it. That's it. That's your only cover. Once that's gone, it's gone. And so, and I did, I had some friends that like my one English teacher friend that really was like, you need to get this out there. She was one that wanted one of the signed artworks because she had been with me through, you know, the whole process and was super support supportive. And so she has that now part where it's like, man, I was a part of this process. I have some of this artwork. Yeah. And so that was super cool. That is, it is really awesome. So what was your biggest lesson as you were going through that whole process? Like, what was your biggest takeaway? And if somebody was like thinking about it, what would you say? Um, I think just doing little things to like kind of hype it up, like um, about halfway through, I said like, hey, if we get to this amount on this day, I'm going to give this quilt away, like in a random drawing of anyone who's, you know, yeah, donated. And I noticed right before that, I got like a huge up thing and we actually got our goal because at first I, I was like, I don't think we're going to make it, but my my friends were like, we need to challenge ourselves, like we can do this. And I was like, I don't think we're going to make it. And then we did. And I was yeah, I was shocked. And so I did a quick live and, you know, gave away the quilt. And then um, I did another one where I was like, hey, if we get this goal, I'm going to do this extra swag for everybody. Like I'm going to make yeah. these little keepsakes with a quote from the book and little hearts, you know, and sure enough, we made it again. And so I think just those little goals, because 
I feel like your community really wants you to succeed and they really want to support you. Like if you have a healthy, I call it my village, um, they are going to do what they can to share your Kickstarter to support you. And I think just trying to, I don't know, just like kind of trusting and relying on them and letting them help kind of get the word out and not feel like you have to do it totally on your own, but knowing that you're going to have to invest a lot of time and energy and creativity in it as yeah. well. Yeah. I, I could definitely see that. I think one of the biggest things, you know, when you're starting a business, my coach was like, make sure you're sharing it all the time. Like let your family and friends that you already know, even though they're not like your target audience, like let them do the work for you and help share and spread the word. Cause you never know who knows someone who knows someone that might be interested in your services. And I feel like kind of listening to you, it's, it's very much the same thing when it comes to a Kickstarter campaign is that, um, kind of letting those family and friends that support you, like they're obviously going to do what they can initially, but then just letting them help you spread the word so that you don't have to do, that is one thing that you can let other people do for you. You can't necessarily rely on them to dive in and do all of the nitty gritty details and that strategic planning that you, you need to do. So letting them do the stuff that they can, I think is a really smart takeaway it just kind of lessens it's one more thing that you don't have to worry about <laughs> yourself or all alone anyway um, yeah, I remember one during the kickstarter the first time I saw that it had been shared by someone that I didn't personally know you know like you can kind of see how it's yeah. shared so to me it was like oh my gosh it's gotten out of my bubble like it's actually pushed out because that was my biggest yeah. fear is like you know I don't want it just to be my people that get this. Cause I mean, they're amazing. They support me, but I want it to get further. Like I want it to go right. outside my bubble. And so when that finally happened, it was like, oh my gosh, this is real. This is happening. That's that so super cool. exciting. So cool. Um, so one thing you mentioned when we first met and had our call before this conversation was that you've had to learn to do your own marketing for your book. So what's the biggest challenge that you faced while learning how to do all of that? And what did you do to kind of overcome that? I think it was just total lack of experience and knowledge. Um, you know, as a high school math teacher, I mean, yeah, technically I kind of have to market because most students don't really want to learn math and I have to be like, yay, that's good, right. let's do this. But it's a totally different kind of marketing because they don't really have a choice whether they're in my room or not. They're, right. they're there and then I engage them. So I, it was just that lack of really any knowledge or understanding. Um, I remember I talked to a few people and they were like, well, what's your hook? And I was like, I don't even know what that means. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? And right. so I think it's just trying to figure it out as I go, you know, because I didn't want to wait a few years and get it all set before I even started. So it was kind of like just as I'm going and learning and trying to glean from other people, but also trying to be authentic to me. Because I think, right. you know, if I try to do too much exactly like somebody else does, it just doesn't seem to work because it's not, it's not me. It's not authentic. So that's been definitely the hardest thing to do. Right. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's really true. Like anytime you kind of go down a path, if you're trying to just mimic what other people have done, it just it falls flat because it's missing that like special uniqueness that comes from you and your, your personal experience. So 
so now transitioning, so you've, you've raised the funds, you ran this super successful Kickstarter campaign, you've raised the funds, you've got your books. Now, I'm assuming you, you want to sell those books. Um, I do, yes. So what's been your biggest aha moment as you've learned now that you've transitioned from raising funds to actually having to promote this tangible product that you have? What's that moment that you were like, ah, this just it clicked for you and you found something that like worked really well for you. So I am still working on that. But one thing I did realize is that if I make my book available on Amazon as an ebook, it actually shows up more places, even just the hardcover, which I didn't, oh. I don't know. I didn't quite realize how all of the Amazon like algorithms kind of worked. Sure. But uh, before I released it as an ebook, it was kind of like hidden as far as like when you searched, you did, it didn't really come up right away. And then once I did, you know, the Amazon only ebook where, you know, I only sell it on Amazon. Now it's like showing up with searches a lot easier and that kind of thing. And I haven't actually sold that many ebooks. Um, but it just made it, I don't know, in their algorithm look better because they have kind of some control over it, I think. Yeah. And so that was one thing that I didn't realize because um, I was like, is it worth the cost to, you know, make it into the ebook format? And just because I don't know enough about formatting to do it myself. And so I paid someone, but now I see that it definitely was because it has made it so much more visible you know, on Amazon. And if they, if people have that Kindle direct, they can like check it out for free and see what it's like and then order it if they, they do yeah. like it. So that's been, that's been really cool. I, I'm still trying to get my book in stores and that's been probably the hardest because yeah. with, you know, COVID right now, a lot of people are not really wanting to take on new inventory. And so that's something I'm still working through some talking to some local businesses and trying to kind of just maybe can I rent out this little area, you know, for so much a month and just put my books there. And sure. so that's sure. what my next goal is to get it into some actual physical stores. Yeah. Um, I wonder too, if there's like events and I, events, this sounds so ridiculous thing because who knows when like events are even going to be like a, a thing again. Um, but even, you know, even if it was transferred virtually, like, um, there, maybe there's like events or something for families who either foster or um, probably more likely have actually like adopted if there's groups or something like that, that meet in some capacity where you could just like show your book or, you know, give one to somebody or not give one or something like that. I don't know. And just to be able to kind of get in front of that, those people who might like be able to look back on it with like a certain level of fondness or something because they can identify with it. I wonder if that's even something to um, sort of like a pop-up shop mm -hmm. at those types of events. Yeah. And I'm definitely, I mean, I'm just definitely seeking out, but there's just so, there's not many. One yeah. thing that was it's, really cool with my Kickstarter is one of the levels um, you were able to buy one for yourself and then buy one to donate. Yeah. And so I've been able to get my book into some local libraries oh, and cool. um, some local foster care agencies to give out to families. And so I know that the library here in town has said that once they start doing like meet the author days yeah. again, they would love to have me. And so I feel like in the future, there's, there, you know, I have stuff kind of lined up, but it's just right. Be yeah, it's while, so hard. So. I was going to say, like, it's so it, it sounds ridiculous, even to me to be like, Oh, like, you know, thinking about events and things like that. There's some 
you know, I think there's some places that are able to do it like really well and safely and obviously other places who don't um, or aren't able to, but um, that would be hard and tricky to kind of be sitting on it then and be waiting to kind of get to that moment. Um, but I think that's, I think it's really exciting. And I think there's a lot of fun little like opportunities in there. And I just hearing like the creativity of your Kickstarter campaign, like, I think you'll, I think you'll find them and it would be really exciting to kind of like, when I have to remember to circle back and like, see how you end up doing it. Um, Cause I'd love to know. So if someone is considering writing a book and self-publishing, what advice would you give them? I would say, first of all, find some of the positive, uh, helpful Facebook groups that are going to give you good, valuable information, um, help you steer clear of some of the obstacles um, that you might run into. And then finding a printer that is, you know, amazing and helpful and patient. I mean, that was, I don't think I would be where I am if I hadn't found the printer I did who was willing to walk me through stuff and help me way above and beyond, you know, the call of duty. And then just surround yourself with people that are willing to help you. Um, I had so many times where I'd meet with a few friends and, you know, be like, okay, what are your thoughts on this? And it has to be people that are willing to be honest and not, you know, worried about hurting your feelings. I mean, don't be mean, but like, if this is a really stupid idea, I need you to tell me before I waste all this time and effort, you know, right. going down that. Right. Path. For sure. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so how, how do you balance or how did you balance? Cause I know you're still kind of in the early stages of promoting your book, but how'd you balance fundraising now promoting your book with your full-time job? It's definitely been interesting. And, you know, <laughs> with having five kids and working full-time and all of that, it's been a definite balancing act and trying to set some limits on when to work on it you know, when not to, um, right now, you know, I've been more trying to like, you know, meet with people that do podcasts and try to get the word out and learn from that. But I have to be really careful how many, you know, like I schedule in a set time because I don't want to neglect my other responsibilities. So I have to remind myself that it's like a marathon, not a sprint. So my goal isn't just to see how quickly I can sell the books necessarily, but you know, how can I build this up? Um, so that it continues going and, you know, slowly work on it because it's not my full-time job and I have to keep that in mind. It's just kind of right. a side thing. So, but I'm one that like, I want to be the best at everything I do. And sometimes I have to like tame that down a little bit and be like, it's sure. okay to learn and just be kind of slow on this. So, like, that's good. That's normal. Focus right. on your other things right now. So. And I think too, um, Oh, I just lost my train of thought. Like you said something that, that sparked it. And then, um, another thought popped in my head. Um, it's, I think what's nice about the fact that you raised and you got your full goal and you were able to like fully fund the first run of your books is that you have that runway. Like, even though you're really anxious to get out there and like sell and get those books out and, you know, start getting, you know, I'm sure like to second and third runs and all of that stuff. I think like one of the really big advantages of being able to fundraise through Kickstarter and 
raise a full goal a first round is that you have like the time and the ability to like you know you just you have time to figure it out and that gives you a lot more runway it doesn't it doesn't put that pressure on you of like I've got money invested in this and I feel like I need mm-hmm. to make it back or anything like that so then do you did you set aside knowing that you're going to have to promote your book did you set aside like a budget of like, here's maybe what I want to pay to be able to like promote it at all? Or is that still something that like you're kind of trying? And again, like it's hard and it's weird when like you can't get into maybe some of the normal avenues because of COVID. So is that something that you did or, or is that something you're still kind of thinking about and trying to figure out? That's definitely something I'm still working on. Um, so I do have one friend that, you know, paid a little bit of money to make me like flyers and like, you know, those kind of things. And she put out some press releases for me when I had the Kickstarter, which was awesome because I was able to get into a few local newspapers and I did notice a huge increase like in my Kickstarter right after that. Yeah. And so I think those were huge, but it wasn't, you know, a lot of money. It was like, you know, kind of more friend, helping friend kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, that was one thing I actually have called and talked to a few kind of promoters and that was one thing I was really kind of excited about, but after both conversations, I just didn't feel like it was a good fit. And I felt like it just wasn't, you know, like, cause they were like, Oh, you can pay like $500 to be on this podcast. And like, that was kind of their advice. And I was like, uh, that just didn't seem like, you know what I mean? So I, I would say that's probably been the most disappointing thing is I've been trying to find I don't know, someone who can promote me, that's a good fit. Cause it's not that I'm against paying for promotion, but I want it to be something that feels authentic. And so I've, I've probably talked with five or six different people and I still haven't found anyone that I feel like they get it. Like, yes, that's right. That's where I'm wanting it to go. And so that's something I'm still, and so part of me is just like, okay, maybe I'll just take a break from that for a while and just see what I can do on my own. Right. And right. then get try again in a little bit but I have never heard of anybody like recommending to pay to be on podcasts that just makes me so so nervous like being on the podcaster side of things like you just never really know and and even just um you just you never know if a podcaster isn't like um hey, like, here are all of my numbers, here are all of my stats, here's, like, everything, here's what I can, not necessarily guarantee you, but, like, here's what, you know, there's, there's numbers, and there's analytics, and everything behind it, and so I would never want to, like, pay another podcaster if I didn't, like, get all of that information, but, like, absolutely, like, doing free interviews, like, that's, I mean, that's incredibly helpful, because that's, that's, just your time investment versus like a monetary investment. That's I've, I've never heard of like being able to charge for podcast guests. (laughs) That's insane. Well, and I'm sure they probably have amazing numbers, but I just, that, I guess that just wasn't my vision. I mean, I love talking to podcasters. Like this is something that really energizes me. It gets me excited. Like, but I couldn't imagine, you know, paying $500 just to have a conversation like that. I don't know. That just doesn't seem as authentic to me. Like, right. Versus, you know, like with you and I, we talked beforehand. We're like, oh yeah, this is a good fit. Like, I feel like this would work really well. And it's more, 
organic and you know authentic and i feel like that's going to come across a lot more than just oh you'll pay me to talk to me so let's do this i don't know it's just definitely not how i want to you know build build this yeah um i had a i had a thought but i'm going to tell you it after after we're done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell us about, tell us about the book one more time and the name and everything. I know we mentioned it in the introduction, but tell us, remind us the name of the book. Where can people connect with you if they're interested in purchasing the book? How do they find it? For sure. So it's called My Patchwork Family and it's a children's book and it's written from my oldest biological son's perspective. And it kind of shares his um, perspective and journey as we had, you know, biological kids after him. And then we started fostering and then ended up adopting. And just, I wanted to give that perspective because a lot of times people don't really think about the sacrifice and the role that biological kids have in foster and adoptive families. And I thought it was really important to kind of shine a spotlight on that. Plus, um, it just kind of shows how our family came together from the beginning since he was our first kiddo ever. And you can buy it on Amazon. Like I mentioned, you just search my patchwork family. Um, I also have a website, mypatchworkfamilybook.com and you can see more information on there. You can actually buy it on there as well if you want. And then my email address is just mypatchworkfamilybook at gmail.com. And I love talking to people about the book or about foster care or about adoption or about math. If anybody wants to email me math (laughs) questions, I love that too. Um, So, but my heart is definitely the people that are maybe thinking about doing foster care or thinking about adopting and just want someone who's going to be real but positive uh, because I feel like that's a really important perspective and or just be feeling like hey i'm going to ask you the tough questions that i'm kind of afraid to ask anybody else because you know when you don't know someone personally sometimes you're willing to be a little bit more like i'm going to ask you kind of a crazy question because sure you know you you don't really know me well enough to be judgy and i'm more than happy (laughs) to answer the weird crazy questions right so awesome very cool well thank you so much for your time today I really genuinely appreciate it. I feel like I learned a ton about self-publishing and Kickstarter campaigns. Um, and I've just got a ton of ton of great ideas going forward. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. It was so good talking with you. Is Ginger's story not super impressive? I mean, I think she put together a brilliant campaign and is a great example of how you can get really creative with your marketing and create brand synergy by simply making sure all of your parts and pieces are cohesive and well thought out. I certainly learned a lot and tucked away several nuggets for future projects. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please rate, review, and subscribe to Startup Marketing to help other women like you find this podcast. Until next time.